Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, speaking of hot, Jonathan DeBurka Butler uh, joins us once again to bring us stories from other parts of the world. Ooh, Thanks very a, much, John. Put a smile on his face there. <laughs> bit of flirting does no harm every now and again. Uh, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> back to business, I suppose. Uh, uh, hungry will go to first. And. Uh, this is this kind of law is a, is the sort of thing we've seen instituted in certain U.S. states, or at least they attempt to institute it in terms of not banning abortion outright, but certainly stymieing uh, uh, women who might need one. Yeah, in the states, I think they call it the fetal heartbeat bill or mm. something like that, and they're trying to do the same here in Hungary. They're not trying to; they're doing it actually in Hungary. So Hungary, just to put you in the picture on this, um, has had abortion since 1953, right? So uh, it was there during the time of the Soviet Union and they kept it even when the whole thing fell apart in 1992. They did draft a new constitution in 2012 which said that the life of the fetus is protected from conception but they haven't, they've tinkered around the edges of of abortion, right? Okay. Uh, Law as such, right? So it's still in place from that time in 1953 and you're entitled to access to abortion up to 12 weeks, okay? And in some cases, if the mother isn't doing particularly well from a medical point of view, it can go on. Um, You can access after that period of time, right? Now, part of the process, however, is that you have to go to a counselling session where the doctor checks that you're in the right mindset and you're making the decision on your own and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But now there's an extra element that's being added to it where women seeking abortions will be forced to listen to a fetal heartbeat before doctors can go ahead with the procedure. And they're going to have to get a document that basically says, yeah, this has been done and we still, and I still want to go ahead with it. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know where to sort of what where, to say. Where, after yeah, that, really. Well, obviously, it's because they're uh, trying to make uh, the woman as uncomfortable as possible. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's there, an it, emotional it, blackmail oh, in no, it there. Uh, obviously, uh, the term fetal heartbeat. Mm. Anyway, uh, a fetus doesn't have a heart at that point, or no. certainly not a fully formed heart. No. No. So, I mean, I, I know if we can go back to the States, I know in the States that they were talking about, wasn't it six weeks as far as I know? And most most medical practitioners, right, from very well-known and well-recognised organisations, again, within the United States, would say that there's not a chance that, uh, that there's a heart after six weeks mm. and that, in fact, you don't really hear a proper fetal heartbeat until between 17 and 20 weeks, which, of course, is well after the time of the 12-week period that you're allowed to access the uh, abortion in in Hungary, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a misnomer, the fetal heartbeat, according to most experts. Um, And uh, as you said, it's not yet fully formed at that stage. Yeah, and this is something they they will be requiring the abortion providers to do, like as in doctors and nurses will have to make sure women do this. I don't know if it's the, the abortion providers prior to the actual... Uh, the actual operation or procedure okay, being carried out. it could be a GP out. or yeah, somebody. That, yeah, that, that, yeah. Uh, uh, it's a good question. I don't yeah. know, to be 100% yeah. honest with you. Uh, and th- uh, this is already in place, yeah, is it? Or? Since last Thursday. Oh, it, right. it, was, it, was, it was brought in by... Actually, Fidesz weren't the ones who championed this, although they did vote for it. So Fidesz, as you know, is Viktor Orban, mm. who, whether you like it or not, have, have been coming back with huge majorities, really, yeah. um, in Hungarian politics over the last number of years. But this was actually put forward by uh, a, a 
party called Our Homeland, Me Kazank or Hazank, they're called in in in, in Hungarian. And um, there's only six of those MPs in the actual uh, parliament uh, in in Hungary at the moment. But they've been a lot of other parties got in behind them, and uh, they'd have a lot of support in certain sectors. Yeah. Uh, one wonders why, given that it's already in the constitution that they don't just mm. go with a, a um, full-out ban, yeah. Yeah. or maybe would that somehow conf- conflict with uh, other rights within the constitution, or, 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 yeah. or perhaps even European law? I wonder. Uh, right. Uh, speaking of which, uh, um, a Poland we're going to go to uh, next. This has been going on for for ten years ago. This is this is a woman who was convicted of blasphemy in Poland. Yeah, one of your famous uh, Polish artists, no doubt, uh, Dorota Rewczewska. You you'd know as Doda probably mm-hmm, uh, she used to be in the band Virgin uh, and that's how she she made her name um, but as you said this has been going on for 10 years it's a blasphemy row not dissimilar to the whole Stephen Fry thing that went on here except mm. this went on for a lot longer um, she is a 30 year 8 year old singer I put out a tweet and you can see an, a sample of the type of stuff that she does um, she was interviewed in 2009 uh, on TV and during that transmission she said that she believed Although she believed in a higher power, she didn't believe in God as such, and she was convinced more by dinosaurs than by the Bible. And she went on to say that it is hard to believe in something written by people who drank too much wine and smoked weed. Right? So she obviously uh, feels that they, uh, the, the the people who who penned the Bible, I'm, I'm sorry, suddenly reassessing Christianity. Then, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But anyway, this is what she said, and she was charged the following year for blasphemy, and she was found guilty in 2012 by a Warsaw District Court and they imposed a five of 5,000 zloty on her which obviously at the time it would equate now to about 1,000 just over 1,000 euros. Okay. okay. So she took her case to the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg and last week she won. They basically said that although her statements could shock believers it had not been established that they would stir up violence or hatred and were therefore protected by her right to free speech and they ordered that same court or the authorities in Warsaw to pay her 10,000 euros for her trouble in damages. Okay, and as far as we know the court there's no other resort for the court I don't court think then there to is. No, to. I don't think there is. Right, okay. That's uh, very interesting. Uh, right, uh, the uh, Ivory Coast we're going to go to uh, next or at least a, a bit of a spat uh, between the Ivory Coast and Mali, what are they fighting about? Yeah, this is this comes from everything that's been going on in Mali over the last number of years. So, as you know, for the last ten or twelve years, there's been massive trouble up in up in the north of Mali, where there's been um, Islamic terrorists basically mm. running the country and, and and wreaking havoc. And it got to the point in 2020 where a military coup got rid of the then government of uh, President Ibrahim Keita. Okay. Uh, they they did bring in a sort of a civil government there for a while and then the same crowd that were running at the same military junta that were effectively running got rid of them again. So there was two coups in two years, 2020 and 2021. And a lot of people in the region who, were, who had been helping out Mali, for example, the French decided mm. to leave last year because... The, the Mali government brought in the Wagner Group, if you remember, those Russian yes, mercenaries yeah. who were infamous somewhere in the world. And lots of their neighbours who, who'd been allied in the, in, allies in the fight in the north uh, of their country decided that they didn't want to have much to do with it, right? So during that whole period, the Ivory Coast sent some soldiers into Mali, right? They sent, I think it was 46 soldiers last year. Uh, or sorry, not last year. It was earlier this year, in July of this year. My apologies. And those soldiers were arrested. 
by the government of Mali. Okay, now the Ivory Coast insists that these soldiers, and they're dead right as well, were part of a UN peacekeeping force and they were there to help with logistics and all mm. sorts of things. The government of Mali said that they weren't, that they were there to support the former government that had been there and were spies effectively, right? So they've been detained. Okay, now it looks like the government of Mali are using these 46 soldiers as leverage because some of the allies of that former president, Ibrahim Keita, skipped into the Ivory Coast and are currently living there. In fact, some government allies and indeed his son, who wields quite a bit of power, I believe he was a member of parliament. Mali wants those three or four people to be brought back to their country yeah. and is using the 46 soldiers who obviously wouldn't be as high in the you know, diplomatic stakes as leverage to try and broker a deal. Now, the Ivory Coast are insisting that this blackmail, as they called it, is absolutely not going to happen. They're looking for the regional economic community, ECOWAS, who's, who's, who's come to the fore quite a bit in the last mm. few years and become quite a powerful community, quite a powerful union um, to you know, uh, set up an extraordinary meeting to, to try and broker a deal here or come up with some sort of a solution. Uh, but Mali don't look like they're going to budge much. OK. Right, New Zealand, we're going to go to you next. And uh, the uh, this is like the TV station there isn't going to provide uh, sign language interpretation. Why not? Well, it, they do, but up to a point. Mm. Uh, this is a case uh, which has been heard in the Auckland District Court there under the Human Rights Review Tribunal, right? Now, it's been something that's been going on for a good few years but that it's been heard at the moment. A case that's been brought by a group called Deaf Action, right? And they say that TVNZ aren't uh, giving them access to sign language in the manner that they should be. They, they're not getting as much of it as they think they should be, right? Mm-hmm. And they say that it's their responsibility to do so. Now, TV New Zealand are arguing that it's not their responsibility, that it's the responsibility of the National Emergency Management Agency to tell them when to provide interpreters for various different events, right? And in this, there's a whole back and forth here with uh, questioning people in the dock and all sorts of different things. And TV New Zealand are arguing, look, have we not done enough already and over the last number of years during the whole thing with the the tragedy with the mosque shooting, Mm. uh, with COVID, various different floods in Canterbury and, and that kind of thing, that they provided interpreters and they were seen on TV screens. Um, but deaf action are, are, it's interesting, they're making this a kind of a human rights issue, hence it's, it's up yeah. in the Human Rights yeah. Review Tribunal, and uh, are looking to get it really across the board. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting case from a human rights point of view that they should have access to information the same as any other New Zealand citizen. It, it is also an interesting one because the, the 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 TV markets of New Zealand and Ireland are often compared with each other yeah. and TVNZ is a very similar funding model to RTE. Uh, I think the commercial station there was actually called TV3 as well. And, you know, back in the day, we had exactly the same kind of setup. Right. Sort of thing. So uh, very briefly, Jonathan, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Sure. Uh, a few things coming up. Obviously, the UN General Assembly. I can't remember if it started already, but there'll be a lot of focus on uh, Ukraine. I think Zelensky is uh, giving an address uh, from, uh, from a distance. Um, Friday, there's elections in the Czech Republic, local elections and Senate elections. And then Monday, would you believe, months, I believe, after he was assassinated, Shinzo Abe's funeral is happening in Japan. Crikey, that took them a while. Yeah, it did take a long time. But anyway, watch out for that. Yeah. Jonathan, thanks Thanks a million. As ever, Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. 
Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.